kind of sound like an asshole. Hey guys, you're listening to Drunk and Uncultured. We are a drinking problem masquerading as a pop culture podcast. I'm Lindsay. I'm Stephanie, and there was just a very loud car that went by, so <laughs> you'll have fun editing that out later. I will not be editing that out. Yeah, we're, we've been having a lot of like really weird loud cars driving by our street lately. It's not fun. I don't enjoy yeah. it, and neither does I the don't cat. Do that. Um, we've been having... Actually, last episode, there was, like, a motorcycle revving for a good couple minutes on the on the podcast. I feel like... On my side? It's a thing... No, no, on my side. Oh. It's just a thing that happens um, when you record at home and not in a studio. We don't have money for that, so... No. You know. This is what you get. This is what you get. <laughs> That's what you get when you're poor podcast. <laughs> That didn't work as well as I think you thought it did. Um, I didn't know how to end that. I kind of just started and was like, ah, oh, fuck, I don't know where I've to go. I've gone too far. This. I can't go back down. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's the second episode of the month. Um, Lindsay. Is that me? <laughs> what have you been binge watching? And if you don't talk about Shadow and Bone, I'm going to oh, be very upset. Okay. So what were you going to talk well, about? That was, that was something I binge watched. Was that this month? Yeah. Last month, maybe? That's that's new, um, so it's definitely I, this I, month. Yeah, I don't know when I binge-watched. It was either last month or this month. I think it was this month. Like, earlier, it just feels like it was a long time ago. Time is meaningless, so... It is know. meaningless. Time is a construct. So, as Stephanie just alluded, um, I've been watching, or I had binged the show Shadow and Bone. It's a fantasy adventure um, adaptation of a novel written by uh, author Lee Bardugo. Um, I think we may have just butchered her name, but that's the I'm pretty sure I did. Um, it's from, yeah, so it's it's a trilogy. It's from a trilogy of books called the Grisha Trilogy. They call, like, all of her, like, most of her work is in, like, the Grisha-verse, I guess. Yeah. So, like, all of her, like, series, of yeah. various series are all, like, in this one universe. Yep. So, it's like the MCU um, of young adults. It is, basically, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, it follows, um, the, the main character is, uh, Alina, um, Starkov. It's, it, I guess just to start with, it's a really interesting story in that, like, it's a very, it's a fantasy, but it's really geared towards young adults, I would say, like, it's kind of, like, I compare it to, like, how The Witcher's more adult. It's, like, a similar version of that, but, like, dark, uh, dark and dark towards young adults. Like, not super dark, but, like, kind of dark. Um, anyways. But, um, it kind of revolves around Alina Starkov, who is an orphan, um, and finding out that she essentially, like, um, is, like, a prophesized Grisha that can control light. Um, and, like, there's a, like, to her opposite, a dark Grisha, that is Ben Barnes, my dream. Um, do you love Ben Barnes? And I do love Ben Barnes. I love me a tall, dark... Ben Barnes. <laughs> em- tall, dark, haired, um, older, famous guy. <laughs> Sebastian Stan and Ben Barnes, they fall into the same category. Um, anyways, 
So he's the Darkling, and it's kind of set about, like, set around their conflicts and, like, her finding out, like, what she is, learning how to control it, and then, like, goes into, like, the world with how, like, the there's a war and, like, the darkness out there. And it's basically, um, it's basically, like, a an intro into this world and into, like, the, the long conflict between her and the Darkling. Um, that is all I know because I have not read these books. Yeah, I and that's either. all I'm gonna go into. It's it's a good it's a good show, um, very enjoyable. Fun Definitely fact about that show for Ben Barnes, um, it does relate also relates to Ben Barnes and the show. Oh, um, I know what you're gonna say the Ben Barnes knew that he needed to play his character because people on Tumblr started making fan edits like years ago. Uh-huh of this like when these books came out and they were the entire internet just collectively went yeah that's Ben Barnes I do also want to say that this show has incredible representation for people of color Um, it is set in a world where it's like kind of insinuated that there is like an an Asian subcontinent and it almost takes place in like the Europe Asia and subcontinent area like Mm -hmm. where that connects um, so there's a lot of Indian actors, there's a lot of Asian actors, um, uh, like, it's a lot of, like, uh, Middle Eastern actors. I think it's it's fantastic for like, representation for people of color. It was really exciting to see um, just how many, like, specifically women of color were included um, as cast members. Nice. Yeah, I have not seen this yet, but it's on my to-watch list. I have it saved on my watch list on Netflix. Um, I will also say that I am binging, and this is super late, but the second season of The Mandalorian, finally. What? Yeah. I'm um, sorry. We won't get into that. What? Yeah, I just haven't gotten to it. Oh my god. Um, I don't like the name Grogu for Baby Yoda. I hate it. Yeah, I Matt, hate it. Matt keeps calling him Grogu, and I keep saying, no, it's Baby Yoda. And he's like, are you triggered by the name? And I'm like, no, I just think it's stupid, and Baby Yoda's cuter. Um, I also think Baby Yoda might be a Sith. Do you, do you think Jar Jar Banks is a Sith? We talked about this, yes, I think, we on do. the we have, and Yes, I do. I do. Um, anyways, let's get into the beer. Yes. So, we are drinking two different beers today because uh, we did not have time to coordinate shipping beer. Well, no. It's the second episode of the month. We usually drink one. We, yeah, we one usually different. try to do one episode where we drink the same beer. It's it's too much to try and do both. Yeah. It's a lot of work. And a lot a of money. A lot of coordination. Shipping's it's a lot. Expensive. Yeah, it's expensive. It's like $25 just to ship beer. Yeah. And you gotta, like, cross your fingers it doesn't get lost in the mail. Yeah. Or, like, destroyed. Um, so, Stephanie, what are you drinking? So, today I'm drinking Bubble Tub from Weiner here in the city. Um, I actually picked this up on Sunday when I was down there taking a little visit to the tap room. Um, so, Bubble Tub is a watermelon uh, kettle soured saison. And it's the watermelon version of Weiner's most famous beer, which is uh, Lay Tub, which is a blended mm-hmm. wild saison. This is the watermelon variant of it. Um, it's so good. Ugh, Weiner just makes amazing beer. Um, so this beer, obviously beyond the 
very watermelon forward flavor. It's very, um, it almost reminds me of like a LaCroix type, like mouthfeel mm-hmm. where it's very fizzy and it's yeah. very like light flavor. Like it doesn't taste a ton like a Saison. It's just, you taste a lot of, it just reminds me of like a boozy watermelon LaCroix, if that makes sense. Okay. But it's got a little bit of a hop kick to it as well. So it doesn't just taste like a seltzer or something. It's very good. Cool. What are you drinking? So this week I'm drinking Deep Tropicalia um, from Blue Oak Brewing Company in San Carlos, California. That's like down the street from where I live. Um, This is what they, they called it a fruited sour um, at the brewery, but on untapped it's referred to as a kettle sour. Okay. Um, so this is a sour brewed with pineapple and mango. Um, it's, I kind of wish it was more carbonated. It's not very carbonated. Um, so it's gotten like more of a like thicker mouthfeel because okay. of that. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's got like a really velvety, silky texture, which is really nice. Um, which I, I'm assuming it, co- it comes out a little bit more because it doesn't have that like heavy carbonation. Mm-hmm. And it is very heavy on the mango flavor to a point where it almost tastes like a like mango nectar. If you ever like buy that in the store in like a little carton, um, they do that in the Caribbean. That's the only reason I know. Oh, okay. Um, it's got like a very heavy like mango flavor. Um, I know you've never had a mango, but <laughs> it's got it's very reminiscent of like when you're eat like when you're eating mango off the seed, that flavor where you get kind of like the a little bit of like the earthiness from the seed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a nice tartness and citrus coming from the pineapple. Um, I'm actually really impressed with how much mango you're getting in this. It's very good. I'm, I'm a big fan of this. They This brewery does really good sours in general. I've had a few of them. Okay, so I'll go with my three words first. So. Okay. I'm going to say watermelon. Um, I'm going to say tart. And um, somebody called it spritzy. And I really like that word. So we're going to use that. Okay. I'm going to call mine silky, tart, and mango. Nice. Nice, nice. I got one of these to bring you. Oh, did you? Sweet. Yeah, I got a four-pack. Um, so, with that part being done, uh, let's get into the episode. Yeah, so, um, you know, this is going to be another music-centered episode, but there's been a lot of talk about this genre of music as of late, and I think that's due to the release of a couple of like really um, highly anticipated debut albums from Mm -hmm. some bands in this genre and that and these albums have been really well received right off the bat so there's been a lot of talk about this genre lately within the alternative music community and uh so we were like shit i guess we're gonna talk about it too yes and i am extremely unprepared for this episode so i am just here so i don't get fined I 
forgot that he used to just say that at every interview. It's like, I'm just here so I don't get fined. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about, and uh, we're going to call it about a thousand different names because it's kind yeah. of this... It doesn't have a name. It yet. doesn't have a real strong name. Yeah, you're right. There's not yeah, a real strong name. It doesn't have like name. a real name. Yeah, so, which I think is interesting. I'm sure you have that um, later on to talk. Yeah, about. we'll talk. We'll, we'll we'll get there. But um, I guess we're gonna call it like modern post punk or the post punk resurgence of the late 2010s. <laughs> right, because you can't call it post-punk revival, because that's different. So, for some historical context, um, the term post-punk actually was first used in the late 1970s, and it's referring to artists that, like, came out of the punk community and started using, like, an avant-garde, non-rock sound, mm-hmm. and they were all primarily based in the UK. So it was, like, super DIY to start out. Um, it's bands like... Um, Susie and the Banshees, Devo, Joy Division, and, like, the Talking Heads. And I think it's really interesting that, like, because post-punk, all of those bands are, like, kind of different from each other. Mm-hmm. And it encompasses all of that because, it, like, the main criteria of being post-punk is just having, like, the avant-garde, um, like, punk quality about Yeah, so uh, a lot of the time that avant yeah air quotes avant-garde quality was using a synthesizer because that's not a punk instrument right so that by introducing that electronic into the rock sound yep that's kind of what i created post-punk and, and i believe i actually read that it was like the re- the movement into like avant-garde like punk was due to like frustration in the punk scene by being so like a beat of like the genre being so rigid yeah, I mean, especially at that time, too. Yeah. Um, but, like, so it was really tied in with, like, goth rock was a thing that came out of that, and then the early industrial, you know, electronic movement, too. But then, right. funnily enough, this started in the late 70s, by, like, the mid-80s, it was, like, done. And it was a, compl- right. it was a completely it's, it's... different genre, and it was, like, pop music by that point. It's really interesting, too, because, like, punk branched off into many different categories, mm-hmm. but I think the main ones were, like, New Wave and then post-punk were, like, the New two Wave is ones. actually considered part of post-punk. Got it. Because it's still those same bands. Yeah. But still, okay. like, it went more of, like, a pop route or it went more down the post, you know, it went down a different route. Um, but ew. you kind of do see some post-punk influence into... In 90s music still. So, like, oh, totally. I think grunge has, like, heavy influence from post-punk, and that's where you get, like, a lot of the melodic um, sound, a lot of the melodies. That's extremely prevalent in I grunge. I mean, you could so argue, like, still... I mean, the pumpkins are, like, late grunge into more of the, you know, more modern rock sound, but yeah, that's immediately what I thought of was, like, yeah. how the pumpkin sound. Cause yeah, it... I mean, I think, like, Soundgarden, yeah. like, Nirvana, that's all very melodic rock, and that's very much influenced by the post-punk scene of the, like, the 70s. So then the first post-punk revival is actually considered the early 2000s where it's like bands using those same influences to create a new sound so think Mm -hmm. the strokes franz ferdinand interpol the rapture 
Like, yeah. those are the kinds of bands that are actually considered post-punk revival. Which is funny, because in my head, those bands have always just been, like, indie alternative. But, like, so when too. you form it in that way, they all are very similar to each other and slightly mm-hmm. different from just, like, regular indie alternative. Yeah. And then, so where we're kind of going is this current movement, which is actually considered the second resurgence of post-punk. Yeah. But this time, with the first resurgence, it was more U.S.-based. The second resurgence is more... I mean, it, there is a huge U.S. base for it, but it's very European-centric right yeah. now. And I think that's really interesting that it's it's very European, but also very U.K.-based. Yeah. Which we'll get into. Yeah. So, I mean, we can kind of go that way now. So... Okay. Um... NPR recently did an article. Fantastic article, if you can it's find really it. It's really cool. They talk a lot really about, um, you know, all of this. Hold on. It talks about a lot of the bands in the movement. It um, highlights a it... few specifically. So it highlights Dry Cleaning, Squid, Black Country New Roads. Um, sorry. I think they just They do mention Sorry, sorry yeah. Um but they're referring to these specific group of bands that are coming out of the UK and they're actually referring to them or NPR is anyways as post Brexit new wave. Well, the interesting thing about this NPR article though is that they were they're referring to it as post Brexit new wave, but they're also saying that we are not like they can't be the ones to name them. Yeah. And how like it's because it's all coming out of one location and that feels so sacred. It needs to, like, it needs to be named by, like, people from that area. And it's, like, it's just this weird thing that's happening in the UK that nobody's putting a name to. And everyone's just referring to it as post-punk. Which, like, it kind of is, but it's also, like, it's it's very much its own thing. Because all of these bands fit, like, a certain, like, so- like sound that's mm-hmm. different than, like, post-punk revival and regular post-punk they're all similar to each other but they're different from like the other versions of it and it's very weird that there's like not a real name for it yeah and um it's actually really funny the top so like this article was shared on reddit on our indie heads and uh the top uh voted comment is uh i'm really into those uk bands that kind of talk sing over post-punk music and sometimes it's more like post-rock but i don't really know what to call it (laughs) but it's that very much like talk singing that's a line in the oh yeah that's where the article yeah um because it's it literally says like talking around it's awkward and then it says that entire line um and they say like there is a something happening in the uk in ireland it's like a a bunch of bands that meet like this that exact description but there's no word for it yet yeah so and so that's why they're referring mentioned here brexit is because they're using it more as like a time frame because it doesn't have uh i think i personally think that they're using it as a time frame they may be using it as like a this is they're coming up because of like brexit but i think it's more of a way to say like this is what's happening after Brexit, and maybe it's tied together, and maybe there's, like, some sort of frustration driving this, mm-hmm. but that's the only way to really, like, that's the only thing that's really happening in this area that we can, like, tie it to. But it's, uh, and the um, NPR article goes in on to say that it's it's really interesting that, like, the word for this genre hasn't been decided by British music press, because they famously like to name genres. Yeah. 
Yeah, they, they, the reason I think that they're calling it with like that timestamp of post-Brexit is because they're saying these bans started to pop up around 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they do say that like some of the songs have like a direct response to mm-hmm. like social dynamics in post-Brexit England. Um, but not all of the bands do. Right. So, and it's, it's not necessarily politically driven, but sometimes it is. But like, that's how it is here. Like, people are, you write songs based on what you know. Yeah. And I think it's in, one of the interesting things is so like, obviously this was this article that we're talking about, um, is specifically about bands in the UK, but like, there's also a lot of other bands that are yeah. in this genre throughout the rest of Europe as well. Yes. But I also think, so there's a, there's bands throughout the rest of Europe, but then there's also North American bands. Yeah, that too. And I feel like the North American version of the scene fundamentally sounds different than what's popping up in Europe. Yeah. I mean, yes and no. I think the, the, the uh, North American version is a little bit more, it's, I don't know. It's, it's I almost more... want to say it's more refined than DIY. I mean, depending on the artist, but depending on the artist, the thing yeah. I think that's like the common thread is like this talk singing that yeah. goes over this like post rock, post punk yeah. sound, because that's, that's a he- very heavily a thing with a lot of these North American bands too. Mm-hmm. That's a good, that's a good point. So if we treat, let's say, we treat that as, like, the defining thread between these bands. I mean, there's other artists that, like, talk sing, but it's the talk singing over this, like, punk rock, post-punk. Like melodic rock. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I get it, and I think that you're right. Like, it is very much... Um, it's almost based off of poetry. Okay, yeah, I was watching a uh, Fontaine's DC KEXP... Okay. Performance. Um, and in part of the interview session, they talk about how, like, a lot of their songs came from, like, a diary. Yeah. Or it came from poems. And um, it was really just them writing poetry and then putting music to it. And the the talk singing really plays into the fact that it almost feels like a little bit like slam poetry sometimes. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like, set to music. Well, if you, feel, if you think, like... Fontaine's DC specifically. I don't. So I feel no, like but Fontaine's I'm saying DC like, is like on the lighter end of that. Talk no, but I was gonna say more. if like if you talk about like them specifically, that's they are a hundred percent like slam poetry, right? Like especially that first album, the Dog Girl album. Mm-hmm. It is. It feels like slam poetry. Like it right. feels like you're getting smacked in the face with the lyrics. That's why I run to it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, no, it, it feels like. And I, and specifically with Fontaine's, like, I know that they wrote it as poetry and then set the music to it later. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of what they were planning on doing is like, they wanted to write like, and they wanted to create more art. And I feel like with these bands that are popping up in this genre, it feels like more art has come back into like what they're creating versus just creating music. It feels more like they're like creating at, like, and not that music is an art, but like, it feels like there's more intention behind everything. Like every word that they say and every like, note, it feels like there's intention. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's very artistically like put together. Yeah, no, I think that's a great way of putting it. So 
I will say the other name that's like really popular for this genre right now, it's it's one that's not quite sticking. They're calling it the windmill. And so there is a venue in Brixton called the Brixton Windmill. And a lot of these bands based in the UK got like that's some one of the first venues they played. So they all mm-hmm. kind of came up through playing this venue. And that seems to be the other name that kind of sticks. I think the reason that it the name isn't really sticking though is because it doesn't apply to anyone outside of the UK. And right. there's so many more artists within this genre. I mean, between the rest of Europe and North America, and even mm-hmm. like parts of Asia are a part of this movement too. So yeah. it's not just UK focused, but there seems to be, at least there's a lot of hype around the UK bands specifically. And I think yeah. they've been the most commercially successful to this point i would agree i feel like outside of the like uk and like the north america ones because we i guess we know we would know the north america ones because we are here yeah um i don't know a ton of other ones other than like listening to post-punk 2k on spotify yeah yeah um and that's how i find them but yeah i would agree that like they are the most commercially successful, and they're not even really commercially successful. Fontaine's but DC most, won like... a Grammy. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, or I they were nominated. Don't I don't know if they DC won. And Idol and Idols in these statements. <laughs> Let me go ahead and say that. Um, I because like they're so successful. Yeah. Um, I would agree. I feel like the scene is so big out there and over here. That these bands are, like, so well-known outside of, like, being part of post-punk. They're just kind of, like, well-known. Like, all in, they're, they're moving out of... Some of them are moving out of, like, the... The niche genre niche. into the wider rock Indie all sound. Yeah. yeah. Right. Which is, like, kind of what happened with, like, Franz Ferdinand, The Strokes. Like, they were part of that smaller niche genre, and then they moved out of it. And you can kind of hear it a little bit in um, A Hero's Death. Well, I mean, Fontaine's DC intentionally changed, like, made a. I know that, but like, you can see like the movement, and like, same with Drunk Tank Pink. Like, Drunk Tank Pink is still very much shame, but you can see kind of like the movement into more mainstream. Not like necessarily they're putting out mainstream music, but more like widely accepted indie alt. Um, And I mean, I I think it's interesting, and I, I do think that it's interesting that like when you're in like this niche genre. Like, you eventually get so big in it that you like your natural progression is to like move up to like the one that's overarching over it. Yeah, and I think the one thing that's probably a challenge for some of these bands in particular is like, okay, you released an album that sounds so tight within your niche like target. It's like, okay, you do anything different and it just sounds like a more mainstreamly accepted album. No, and I don't think that's wrong. That makes complete sense, actually. Like, Songs of Praise was so tight. And so, like, epitome of post-punk, windmill, whatever yeah. you're going to call it. It's, like, so, like, to the point exactly that, that, like, Drunk Tank Pink feels more mainstream just because it's not that. It's and still honestly, so like, good, though. The debut album, it's, like, it's easy to sound that way because your, de- your debut album is going to sound more DIY by default. Yeah. You're going to have less money. You're going to have less resources. Yeah. It's going to sound more like raw and DIY. Yeah. And so I feel like anytime that you have any kind of success and you're able to put more money into the production of something, 
you're gonna sound more mainstream and that's yeah. that's what's happening and it's not a bad thing no it's like, not a bad thing getting, at all they're creating better production um but yeah i i get it because i think post-punk at its, this this version of post-punk at its core is so diy feeling um like the shows are all tiny and they're standing on you and that's like what you're there for yeah um it it does feel like any kind of additional production is going to move you out of that niche genre. And so one thing I think that's really interesting as it applies to the more U.S.-based, U.S., North America-based, these bands have been around for longer. Like, some of these bands have been around for 10-plus years, and, like, they're now kind of hitting, like, more of a level of, like, being... Notoriety? Is that the right word? Yeah, I think notoriety is the right um, word. But they, also they've think... also been, they did their DIY thing and they're getting more success for their like higher levels of production. You know what right. I mean? So like, that's kind and of I, like a I weird, interesting it's... difference. I do think it's really interesting that you bring that up too, because bands like Parquet Courts been around forever, but like the fact that they're lumped into post-punk windmill feels almost wrong to me because like... Maybe, like, very early parquet courts is like that, mm-hmm. but, like, as a whole, they don't feel the same as, like, listening to Shame or Ice Age or Squid. Uh, it feels very different. Well, that, so I, I think, think the thing is, too, it's because they're friends with Danger Mouse now. Because Danger, Mar- Danger Mouse produced Wide Awake. Um, I just, I think that's interesting, though. That's a good point. Um, and I almost feel like, this this genre here that we're talking about is almost like a jumping off point into yeah. more and bigger. Yeah. Well, there's there are some North American. And also, American... we sound like massive fucking hipsters. We're here to gatekeep, gatekeep girl, <laughs> girl boss. boss. <laughs> Gaslight gatekeep girl boss. <laughs> hey guys, actually, we're being paid for this. We're being paid to do this by Pitchfork because we sound like we're on Pitchfork being these. Assholes. I know we sound like complete assholes, but whatever. <laughs> Nah. <laughs> it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, where I was going to go, though, is there are bands that have very much that similar quality to these European bands. Yeah. Proto Martyr. Proto Martyr right. sounds very similar, even today, to these I European didn't bands. I actually Proto Martyr was a North American band. Proto Martyr is from Detroit. They're, they live in that. my neighborhood. They like, they European. live in my parents' neighborhood. Like, But yeah, so like, I think Proto-Martyr is a great example of someone that's extremely similar in that sound. Yeah. But they're they're American. Yeah. So it's... Popped up separately. Yeah. And it's interesting that, like, independently, the stuff is, like, popping up. Yeah. So I don't know if it says something to, like, the time or just, like, uh, a, like a miss, like, a, a piece of, like, music that's been missing in, yeah, in like the grand picture of things. Um. So, um, as a we kind of already talked about what makes this genre. I had some discussion points, but one of the discussion points was what makes this you know stand out and like where do you think the movement like kind of came from? Um, what was the first band that you can that you can? I mean, obviously this genre is very wide. The first band that you consider to be a part of this genre, do you remember the first time, or do you remember who it is, or like when you first listened to them? So, I think the first band that's considered part of this genre that I've listened to is Parquet Chords. Okay. Uh, the first band that I, and I've never, like, I, I don't 
really consider parquet courts to be part of the genre, to be honest. But, like, if we're looking at, like, the definition of parquet courts, I think they fall under here. Mm -hmm. It's parquet courts. But the first band that I listened to that, like, I consider that falls under this uh, genre would be Idols. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, obviously. Yeah. Give me a sec. I gotta grab another. Actually, no. Ice Age. So. That's not true. It's Ice Age. I'm sorry. So, actually, it's funny. That's mine. It's also Ice yeah. Age. Um, you actually introduced me to Ice Age so, in like 2017. Not long after we met, you introduced me yeah. to Ice Age. So, funny story. Um, I had never listened to anything that I would consider to be part of this genre. Um, and I saw a House of Vans show in 2017. Oh, yeah. And Ice Age was the headliner. And um, yeah. it was the Black Lips and Ice Age because yeah. they were on tour together at the time. And I saw Ice Age and I was like, this is, this is something else. Yeah. And then around that same time, um, I found Ott, who's based um, mm-hmm. in Canada, up in the Mon- Montreal area, I think. So, like, I okay. discovered them around that time, too. And, like, those were, like, the two... Yep. You know, like that that then, was my like, jumping remember, off point. And those I feel like I remember the year late the year after that, you were listening to a lot of like band radios mm-hmm. and you I think I don't know how you found like Idols and Fontaine's DC, but you um, listened to a lot of Fontaine's. I can tell you DC exactly radio. how I found Idols, Fontaine's DC, and Shame. NPR All Songs Considered. Oh. Um well, Idols thanks, and Shame both released their well, uh Shame released Songs of Praise, their debut album. Yep. And then yeah. Idols released um, Joy is an Act of Resistance, both in mm-hmm. 2018, and they made NPR's list of, like, the best albums of the year. Oh, I do remember you sending that to me and, like, yeah. telling me that you were listening to every single thing on there to see. Well, that was also at the beginning of when I was doing my, like, I'm going to yeah. listen to everything that comes out thing. And so I didn't really start that till 2019, and so, at, yeah. and that was because I got really into NPR, All Songs Considered, in 2018. And I was like, I'm just going to see if I can listen to everything that comes out. Or, like, as much uh-huh. as humanly possible that I would, like, within reason. And, like, that's right. how I found Fontaine's DC. Because in 2019, Dog Girl came out in March. And I yep. heard it the day it released. And I was like, yeah. this shit is wild. Okay. So. Yeah, yeah, and then you were listening to, like, a lot of. Uh, Fontaine's DC radio and find idols. Fontaine's that. DC shame yeah. radio. Yeah, that's pretty much how I did it. Yeah. Hold on, I'm gonna grab. And then I like I listen to a lot of shame radio at this point. Okay, so I know we've talked a lot about post punk, uh, windmill, post Brexit, mm-hmm. new wave, whatever you want to call it. Um, honestly, in probably what is the most like actual podcasty podcast episode that we've done so far. Um, from here, I'm going to read to you names of bands from the post-punk 2K playlist, so you can look them up and, uh, listen to them. And I'm only going to name a few. That's not true. I'm going to name a bunch. Um, one band that you actually got me into, Sports Team. I, okay, so they released, this is how this is going to go. You're going to name a band and I'm going to tell a whole story yeah, about the band. You're yeah, you're going to remember, you're okay, going to remember so, the band. Um... So Sports Team released their debut album last year. It was really highly critically acclaimed. Um, I saw Sports Team in 2019 on Halloween during a snowstorm at Cobra Lounge. There was like like 15 people there. 
I found out about sports team after, even though Stephanie told me multiple times to listen to them, and I regret not going to that. I bought my Actually, tic- here's how it's going to go. I'm going to name a band, you're going to describe something, and then I'm going to tell you about how I should have listened to them before <laughs> I did, and I didn't go to the show with you. That sounds right. I'm here for this. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure that's happened in almost every single band yeah. that I'm going to name. Yeah, probably, yeah. How you, how you told me to listen to this band, I took like six months to listen to it, and then I loved them, and then didn't go to the show with you because yep. it had already passed. Yep. That sounds right. Let's go. Let's go. I'm here for it. All right. Squid. (laughs) Um, Okay. Squid is the outlier. It doesn't fall under that plan. So I actually owned, um, I don't even, I think I found Squid through Idols Radio probably, Um, but I have Squid's EP on vinyl and I got it for eight bucks and I was like, I wonder why this is so cheap. Where'd you get it? I think I got it from Rough Trade. Okay. I got it for like eight bucks. There's one on it? Six, yeah. Okay, but um, it's uh, it's Squid got houseplants. It's got houseplants. Interesting band to me because I feel like there has been a lot of hype around this band for a few years. They just they released just their debut album their this debut year. Album. Yeah, um, and they have like a decent bit of music that's always just been singles or an EP. Um, and they finally put out like a highly anticipated album that did super well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Dead. Dead is a Chicago band. Um, yep. you have seen, seen Dead. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dead's playing Pitchfork this year, but we saw Dead. Dead was supposed to play Pitchfork in 2020, and they mm-hmm. did, like, a kickoff party. Yep. For Pitchfork that we went to, and then we... With Jeff Tweedy's son, Spencer. Oh, yeah. And it was at the Chicago Athletic Association Hotel or whatever, and they had a pop-up Parson, so you were drinking the Parsons Negroni slushy in line. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I was drunk at that show. I, well, yeah, they gave us some free beer, and then we just kept drinking. Yeah. Um, sorry. I really like this band. Uh, UK-based duo. Um, it's a guy and a girl. Their music's, ooh, it's really good. I like it a lot. Yeah, I've been listening to them. I've been listening to this playlist a lot, Their too. debut album came out last year as well. It was one of my favorite albums of the year. Uh, disc, with a Q. We've seen Disc. New phone, who Disc? Uh, Disc opened for Shame at New Year's Eve 2019 going into 2020. They are from Madison, Wisconsin. Um, They're very good. Their debut album came out last year as well, I think. Collector? Yeah. I don't know if that's their Um, debut. Hold on. I can confirm. It's their second one. Oh, okay. Vundabar. Vundabar is really good. Um, They're from the, like, Northeast... Here in the states, mm-hmm. um, they also released a really good album last year. We they did a couple live streams during COVID that were really good. They've been around for a little bit though. Um, I saw them open for the Frights like several years ago. Nice. Um, we talked about Ice Age, so I'm gonna mm-hmm. skip them over. Mm-hmm. We've talked about Parkade although Board, so also gonna... real quick, Ice Age, Seek Shelter, beautiful Very album, good. love I it. I just got my vinyl in today. Yeah. Um, parquet courts we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about this band as well, but we have to talk about them some more. Uh, shame. Oh, shame's so, so good. good. Oh my Honestly, God. one of my top five shows that I've ever been to Same. when we saw them at the bottom lounge. Empty or, bottle. Like bottle. Sorry, at the bottle. Fantastic um, show. I love them so much. They're all babies. They're so cute. They're in like they're old. You know, they're only like 
well, for me, they're only like three years younger than me. They're not like that young. Like 21, 22. They're like 23, 24. No. Yeah. I thought Colin couldn't... Charlie. Charlie. I thought Charlie couldn't drink like no. legally at that show. No. He was drinking High Life. I know. I thought he wasn't legally allowed to drink no. at that show. He's... They're... Okay, well, in my head, they're babies because they look like babies. No, they're like three years younger than me. Okay, whatever. That's six years younger than me. Exactly. Also, you're like 28. I'm 27. You're turning 28. In six months. So, yeah, they're four years younger than me. Whatever. Um, Viagra Boys. Okay, so I'm shocked we haven't talked about them yet. Um, yeah. Viagra Boys is insane. So, I actually feel like Viagra Boys of the U.S.-based bands that are, They're like, not U.S.-based. Multi- are they not? They're from Stockholm. Oh, I didn't know that. Sorry, the vinyl came from there. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, never mind then. What there goes my point. You, wait, I'll what were you going to say? I want to know. Down. I was going to say for like a band that's been around for a long time from the U.S., I feel like they're the ones that fit the genre. <laughs> they're not from the U.S. They're from Sweden. Yeah. Yeah, they are. <laughs> also, it checks out. Um, <sighs> Their shit's crazy and it's so good. The song Sports speaks to me on a spiritual level and i don't know um, why i'm sorry the song girls and boys off of uh welfare <laughs> jazz oh my god when well, they say when they go shrimp and they go blah 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 blah, blah. i think it's so funny it's so funny i saw I, I saw someone um put together a youtube video where it's like girls and boys but it's just the blah 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 blah, blah like over and over oh my god it's so funny i put that on my bucky barnes choking playlist that i posted on tiktok that has like 12 followers as like i'm fucking like rick rolling them with the song by that makes no sense on that playlist um oh my um, god it's so good though the strip one <laughs> my cry. one of my favorite things about viagra boys is that they go by shrimp tech because they have been sued by viagra Sorry, what was that? They go by, like, all of their stuff is shrimp tech because they can't use Uh. the word Viagra because it's copyrighted. (laughs) Got it. That makes sense. Um, They're just a wild band. They're so funny. They are so aggressive and just, like, out there. But what's really funny is a lot of their songs are about, like, overcoming addiction and they're, like, really heavy topics, but they sound insane. So you're like, oh my god, this is hilarious and weird, but it's actually really... But we're just like Americans, like, yeah, sports. <laughs> Wiener dog. <laughs> it's funny because their songs are like, it's like normal ish up until a point, and then they just like lose it. Like in sports, they're talking, they're naming different sports, and then he just goes, Wiener dog. <laughs> it's so funny to me. Um, so Street Worms, I think, came out in 2019, and then Welfare Jazz came out beginning of this year. Um, yeah. Their shit's wild. They played... It is. They played Wicker Park, uh, Westfest one year, and they played The Bottle one time, and their opener was fucking Pottery in 2019. That would have been insane. And then yeah. we were supposed to see them because they were supposed to play Shaky Knees in 2020, we and we were going to show. We were going to go to their after show. We were trying to make friends on Reddit because everyone's like, "Who's trying to get weird at Viagra Boys?" And we were like, "We are, we are." Okay. Um. <clears throat> um. 
we've talked about Fontaine's DC, so mm-hmm. we don't need to cover them. Um, a show that I did not go to, but Stephanie did during Riot Fest. Yes, I did. I literally um, left Riot Fest early to go see them. And honestly, I would too. That their that opener, was their opener was Pottery, who's like my favorite band right now. Yeah, I know. Um, dry cleaning. So well, I don't think we need to go super into dry cleaning. I think you talked about them last episode as yeah, part of your music my corner. music corner. Yeah. Uh, yeah, another album came out last month. So yeah. they're very much like the talk, talking over music. And yeah. I like them a lot because it's the female-fronted singer. So I think that mm-hmm. makes them stand out a little bit amongst like all these men. Yep. But yeah, dry cleaning's great. Uh, the Murder Capital? They are also from Ireland. Um, they, I think they're a little bit more melodic than some of these other yeah, bands in this genre, agree. but their their shit's really good. And on the other end, Black Midi. <laughs> okay. Black Midi, if you think Viagra Boys is crazy, then listen to Black Midi. Black Midi is, like, just experimental noise. Black like, Midi is the death grips of post-punk. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Their music is so weird. Um, I had heard a couple of songs of theirs... And then I saw them at Pitchfork in 2019, uh, yeah, 2019, I think. Mm-hmm. And the one guy just started screaming into the mic on stage and, like, shaking. And we were all like, yeah. what are we watching? This is so weird. This is, like, uncomfortable to watch. It's so weird. But, like, Black Mini's really good. Their new album's going to um, be even more. I, I think their new really album crazy. that's coming out is going to be wilder than the Did last. Did you get it? Um, I did not pre-order it because I uh, don't know that I'm going to be able to play it at the apartment. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. Um, I'm going to do three more. Okay. Uh, so we're going to go Omni. Omni is based out of Atlanta. They're, we've so, seen Omni. Yes, we've seen Omni. Uh, I've seen Omni twice, actually. Um, yeah, you saw, you went to Omni specifically and then Omni opened for Foles yeah. as well. Um, they released their debut album on Sub Pop in 2019. Um, they're a little bit, they're very, like, they're on, like, the DIY sound, but mm-hmm. they have, like, a softer instrumental melody to yep. them that's not as, like, in your face. Yep. It's very, like, okay. plucky, it flows, it's fun to listen to. I'm actually gonna do three more from here. <laughs> um, Deeper. Deeper's another Chicago band. Um, they released a really good album last year. I have seen Deeper a couple of times. They're just, they remind me a lot of like Dead, where they're, yeah. it's its a very much Midwest like a Chicago version. Midwest thing. Like Disc yeah. is like a very similar yep. sound. So it's very much a Midwestern post-punk dealio, but mm-hmm. very good. Um, I'm sure I'm going to pronounce this wrong because I actually have never heard anyone say this before. I just pronounce it in my head this way, Juju. Is that the... XIU, Oh, XIU. yeah. They're another Chicago band, right? How do you... Is it pronounced Juju? I have no idea. How do you pronounce it? I don't. <laughs> How do you say it in your head when you look at it? I don't. I don't. Um, they're also from Chicago, and they actually did a collaboration with Soothsayer on Hot Sauce. Um, yep. But they're, um, they're very experimental. I'm that I did not get that hot sauce they're like they're another like black midi type deal where it's very experimental i'm looking up how to pronounce it 
Shoo shoo. Shoo shoo? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I got a. I didn't get the hot sauce I should have. Um. And the last one is one that you just recently told me about that you're a big fan of, and it's Porridge Radio. Oh, Porridge Radio's awesome. So they're from Brixton. Um, it's a Porridge Radio. It's basically this um, woman singing, um, and then it's like it's like her project. But the music is um, it's very it's like that thing where we were talking about like Fontaine's DC being like poetry coming from a diary, like. That's what it feels like. You can feel her pain in the music and like the way her lyrics combine with this very aggressive sound that like kind of like has peaks and valleys in each song. You can like, like you physically can feel what she's going through as you're listening to it. And I think that's an incredible thing. Um, so just a couple like highlights. Also. Honorable mentions. Yeah. Feet. Also from the UK. Um, they're a really cool sounding band. <clears throat> B-Boys. I think they're from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're really... They have like a very like sparse sound to them that's really fun. Um, I mentioned Proto-Martyr from Detroit. Um, yeah, no. Those are the last ones yeah, I wanted to mention. Yeah, just check out the... The Spotify playlist, post-punk. Also, we'll make a playlist of post-punk, so it's Um, all good. I have a playlist of post-punk that I run, too. No, Um, when I say, we we literally have a podcast playlist. No, I know. I'm just saying that I do as well. Um, Or, like, listen to one of the band's radios and you'll find a bunch more. It's definitely a really cool genre. Um, Definitely something to check out. Yeah. Um, You have a question-ish thing on here. (laughs) Yeah, that I think we should end it on. Okay, yeah. Let's do it. So I said, discussion topic, hard mode, rank your top five post-punk bands in order. Ooh. I don't like the in order. That's why, I mean, it's, I hard, that's why it's hard mode. I know number one. My number one is shame. My number one is also shame. Um, I feel like my number two is always just who I'm listening to in that moment, though. So, my number one is Shame. Number two is Proto Martyr. Um, number three is Feet. And then I would say number four is. <clears throat> number four is uh, Parquet Courts. And then number five is Fontaine's DC. Okay, so my number one is Shame. I think my number two is sports team. My number three is Fontaine's DC. My number four did I say squid yet? Mm-mm. So my number four is squid. And number five is parquet courts. Nice. I like that Squid made yours. I like Squid a lot, but I think there's just so many other bands within the genre that I like am so dedicated to. And yeah. I I have just claimed Proto Martyr. I'm like as like no, a hometown band. Like I I See, I don't know. Not. I I say that list and it'll change tomorrow. That's fair. It's like literally just who I'm listening to. Like I'm listening to a lot of Fontaine's DC and Shame right now. 
Um, I mean, I'm always listening to a lot of Shame. I was listening to a lot of Squid because the album came out. Um, I listen to a lot of sports team in general. Um, See, I don't, mine is, I don't think is based on like what I'm listening to at the moment. Because if I, if it's what I'm listening to at the moment, it's sorry, important radio. Right. So, are you rethinking your list? <laughs> I am thinking my list. Apparently, Rolling Blackouts Coastal Fever is considered part of the scene. They're almost like on that fringe aspect where, like, I almost think Omni is kind of on that fringe aspect. And same with yeah. Vundabar, because Vundabar, Omni, and yeah. Rolling Blackouts Coastal Fever are more of like that melodic sound where, like, the instrumentals mm-hmm. are kind of flow a little bit easier. Yeah. I'm going to leave my list the way it is. Um, Did you notice that week. Viagra Boys made no one's list, even though I probably listened to the most I Viagra listen to ones. Viagra Boys probably more than I listen to Squid. I just love Squid so much. The album's so good. Um, are you seeing, you have tickets to Squid in San Francisco, right? Yep. I have tickets to Squid here. I do. I also have tickets to Idols. I also have tickets to Idols. I think it's like sold out here now. Or it's close um, to It's sold out in Chicago. Yeah, I think it's sold out here. It'll be interesting. Um, I'm excited. I've seen them at uh, Black Midi is playing Pitchfork. Nice. Yeah, I saw that. So I'm excited to see. I mean, I'm sure we'll get more shows announced within the coming months. I'm very upset yeah. that Ice Age does not have any Midwest dates. I would like to point that into the they universe have like four right now. California dates. I know. They're There's only like doing like a coastal coast. tour. Yeah. And then Vundabar announced, like, I mean, Vundabar, it has like 10 dates. So they have yeah. not announced like any days. Yep. So I think that'll change. I think, I really hope Ice Age builds on their tour, but I just don't see how they're going to do they it. They have with a their lot dates. of dates already. I know. I want to see Ice I'm surprised Age. surprised that they are doing the tour that the way they're doing it. Um, but. Whatever. I'm hoping I'm hoping we get a shame tour. Um, I'm hoping we get a shame tour. I'm hoping we get a Fontaine's tour. I'm hoping so too. Um, um, I would like dry cleaning to come. Porridge Radio yeah. was supposed to play Chicago last year, but then obviously with COVID, they didn't get to. The Murder Capital was supposed to play Chicago last year. A lot of these bands, like these like smaller ones, like don't get to tour the U.S. So like when Porridge Radio was going to play. Yeah. They had like been sharing how excited they were. Same with the Murder Capital. Like the Murder Capital was like, this will be our first U.S. tour. Like a lot of these bands, it was their very first U.S. tour, so they were right. so excited. So they still because never they done have it. to get a visa too. Yeah, so, like that's even harder to deal with right now. Exactly. Um, so it's like travel restrictions. So I'm, so I'm hoping for the best. We'll in the probably coming see months. a lot more of these like scheduled for 2022. I think so too. I'm looking okay. forward to it. I think it'll be. I think we'll have some good shows with these kinds of bands coming through before too long. Yeah, I think so too. Um, cool. So with that being said, um, I think that covers it for the episode. So if you enjoyed this episode, which we both, we both enjoyed recording it. So we hope you enjoyed it as well. And honestly, this is one of our better episodes. So yes, I think so be because of this one, it's less of a mess. <laughs> it is. Um, it's a very like well thought out yeah. conversation that was not well thought out. So please go on your favorite podcast streaming service and give us a five star rating. 
If you're comfortable leaving a review, please go on and leave us a lovely review as well. Reviews help us to reach more people like you. Um, if you write us a review, we'll read it on air. Uh, we say that every episode still hasn't happened. <laughs> um, if you're not if you're not totally comfortable leaving us a review, interact with us. If you listen through the song, you'll hear all of our social media outlets and you can talk to us there. We love hearing from you guys. So anyone that wants to talk to us, we will talk back. And with that, we will catch you on the flip side. Catch you on the flippity flip. (laughs) See you next time, guys. All right, that was the episode. So we love hearing from you, um, and if you want to contact us, you can do so through our email address. It is drunkanduncultured at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook at Drunk and Uncultured Podcast. Our Instagram is drunkanduncultured. And our Twitter is drunkuncultured. No ant. And as always, I'm Lindsay, and you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at lindsaysoldout. And I'm Stephanie, and you can find me on Untapped, Instagram, Twitter, and Tumblr as underscore Stephen Color. And you can also follow my concert Instagram at Shitty Concert Blog. Stay drunk, guys. See you next time.